The following podcast is brought to you by the Creative Arts Curriculum Team from Secondary Learners, Educational Standards Directorate of the New South Wales Department of Education. As we commence this podcast today, let us acknowledge the traditional custodians of all the lands on which this podcast will be played around New South Wales. Their art, storytelling, music and dance, along with all First Nations people, hold the memories, the traditions, the culture and hopes of Aboriginal Australia. Let us acknowledge with honour and respect our Elders past, present and future, especially those Aboriginal people in our presence today who have and still do guide us with their wisdom. Welcome to the Creative Cast podcast series. My name is Jackie King and I'm a Creative Arts Project Officer with the New South Wales Department of Education. Today, we are going to have an industry chat with theatre producer and agent, David Spicer. Hi David, how are you? Very well, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for joining us today for our Creative Cast podcast series for our industry chats. I'm really excited for the industry chats to try and connect what we do in the classroom to the industry. So I've asked you to have a chat with us today because you've obviously got a fair bit of knowledge and experience within the theatre industry, being a theatre producer and an agent and also your magazine, Stage Whispers, which we'll get into later. But I was just wondering if we could start by you talking a little bit about your history and your career. Well, when I was in school, I loved being in the school musical, Epping West primary and I played uh, the lead in Joseph in 1979. (laughs) I wanted uh, to be either a journalist or an actor when I left school and so I did a Bachelor of Arts in Communications at the University of Technology and kept up my hobby as a singer and so I was in a lot of Gilbert and Sullivan operettas on Sydney's North Shore, Eastern Suburbs and other and Western Suburbs. I was introduced into performing arts in the Scouts through the gang show, which I, which I was a member of uh, uh, as from a little kid until a young adult. Then I became journalist at the ABC after completing a Bachelor of Arts in Communications at, well, at the University of Technology in Sydney. And so really theatre and singing was my hobby. And uh, being a journalist at the ABC, when I got a cadetship at the age of 20, that was my day job. And then my night job was my night hobby was being a thespian. And so I was just basically, you know, doing the odd role here or there, usually a second lead, never the, the big lead, but the second lead. That was, that was what I aimed for. Oh, sure. I actually saw a picture of you as Ralph Rackshaw or Rafe Rackshaw from... HMS Pinafore. HMS Pinafore, that's right. So you obviously played some decent parts. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was a good, that was a good juicy role. That, <laughs> and the funny thing about that one was that I was the agent for that musical, because that's a unique adaptation of Gilbert and Sullivan, which is still under copyright because it's, it's an updated version of it. Right. I was the agent for it and I was in it. Fantastic. They said they, they couldn't find a tenor, so I, I got roped in and it was my local thing. I, I really enjoyed being in that show. 
I also, as I was doing a little bit of reading up on you, saw that you were the winner of the 97 City of Sydney Estedford in the tennis section. Yes, I was the best in the field of five. (laughs) (laughs) It was was a prestigious award and flew absolutely wiped out uh, Sydney's tennis that year. And I was definitely the best of five. But I'll I'll still claim it. Absolutely claim it. I was the the best tenor at the City of Sydney is Deadford. (laughs) The City of Sydney is Deadford is a huge Deadford. I remember competing in that probably in the early 2000s, I think, is when I was competing in that. But it was a really big deal at the time. I remember when I came down and competed in it. So I certainly wouldn't be wiping that (laughs) under the carpet. It's a big award. Well, in 1997, I was the only person in world history to win a Walkley Award and the City of Sydney tenor competition in the same year. Oh, wow. That's (laughs) fantastic. So you've touched on being a theatre agent a little bit. Do you want to explain how you got into to being a theatre agent and a little bit about your business that you have at the moment? Well, I, of course, liked being in Goodwin and Sullivan operettas, but then something uh, amazing happened in my life. I became a father in 1996. And so my wife said, you're not going out twice a week to rehearse for a little while so I looked for a different hobby from being in shows but looking what I could do behind the scenes so I thought that I would write a book because I was a journalist about musicals and I got some interest from a publisher the book fizzled out but while I was doing the research an eccentric composer lyricist in England said to me oh David will you be my agent he wrote lots of musicals, including an adaptation of the, of the Jane Austen novel, Pride and Prejudice. So it was Pride and Prejudice, the musical. So I then, uh, and I, it's got good songs. Of course, it's got a great story and great characters. So I, I started promoting that in a theatre industry theatre magazine called Stage Whispers, and I got three bookings. So I then flew down to Melbourne to see a production of, that I licensed of Pride and Prejudice, the musical. So that when the book fell over, I thought, well, maybe this is a way I can get theatres and schools to do a greater variety of musicals. Don't write a book about it, which, you know, fizzled out and was going to be out of date as soon as it was published, but take on and represent musicals and try to encourage them, other people to do them. So I became, by accident, an agent for musicals and plays. So, I mean, people say, what is exactly you do? I mean, are you, do you put the show on? No, I don't put the show on. I represent the composer and I provide the, the sheet music and the script to the schools and the uh, community theatres to allow them to put the show on. So that, that was the very specialised and unusual sort of part-time hobby career that I did while I was a journalist at the ABC. And now you've got some of my favourite musicals <laughs> under your belt that you hold the, the rights to. you got Back to the 80s, We Will Rock You, Paris, just to name a couple of my favourites. <laughs> yes. Well, I, that's right. And so two years ago, I left the ABC. Uh, so I was able to give up my day job. I was part-time for the last 10 years. And so what the first thing I did was is that I thought, oh, what Australian musicals are there out there that are not published to a high enough or promoted properly. Uh, so the sheet music is not 
printed properly or it's not promoted, what could I what could I uncover? So I, I became a bit like a music theatre archaeologist, and I was digging up old scripts. One of them was Paris. Now that was that was a, a, a real adventure because it was a, a cast album only based on the Trojan War. So I then got the sheet music, which was handwritten, got it published, and then promoted and found theatres to put it on. And uh, we've had 26 different productions, including it's been translated into German and in five different countries. So that was sort of a, a labour of love, although, you know, that I did, uh, it has had a level of, of, of commercial success. But then I got hold of very successful commercial properties, such as these Duke Back to the 80s, which you've mentioned. I've got a 70s musical, Disco Inferno. I've got a, I've got a 90s musical, Pop Star. I've got an Australian jukebox musical, The Great Australian Rock Musical, which, of course, are centred around pop songs with a, a you know, a, a reasonable narrative, credible narrative, to string it together. And they're very popular on the high school circuit. Now, the thing about them is that they are great in getting children, students involved in music theatre who perhaps need a bit of convincing to get involved because they're immediately familiar with the songs and that gets them in. So, you know, sometimes you can't do the very sophisticated Broadway uh, musical, but the jukebox musical, parents love it, the kids love it, and there's a story involved. So, so that's, that's really, that works well. Now, mm. about five years ago, I really lucked in. and I got the ultimate jukebox musical, which, of course, is We Will Rock You by Queen. And, the uh, ultimate. A, the <laughs> ultimate. And that was very hard to get in the rights. But I eventually got the contract. And guess what? Brian May signed the contract. Oh, wow. So that was the best autograph you can imagine. <laughs> I was so, going to ask, did you know Brian May or had you actually... I well, able to meet Brian May. I did meet him once for about one minute. And if you look <laughs> on the Facebook page, you'll see my 30 second meeting with Brian May. <laughs> I met him 20 minutes before a rock concert. And anyway, my brother filmed it. But now look, I, I being a journalist, you're good at finding out things and you're persistent. Right. So, you know, you've just got to knock on doors and, you know, get the rights. It's very difficult to get the very huge properties because Essentially, the publishing houses in the United States offer now millions of dollars for the Uber blockbusters. So you're, as an independent music publisher, you're, you're locked out of that. So you've really got to use cunning and um, also you know, develop Australian works, develop Australian shows, which legs here. And of course, but the biggest breakthrough in my career was getting the rights to The Boy, the Boy From Olds. Oh, so, of uh, course. I saw yes. that one on your website yes. as well. So that was, uh, I met the producers of the show in 1998, kept in touch. And then 10 years later, I got the amateur rights. So, you know, that was a, a big coup. And, and also I love, I like publishing, you know, of course, still full book musicals. So I've got Ladies in Black, which was a commercial success here and has been performed by a lot of amateur theatres and high schools love it too, because it's got so many fem strong female leads and the, 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 the central character is a young woman who wants to not get married, meet Mr. Wright, but she wants to go to university. So, uh, with, you know, so that's, that's a wonderful Australian piece of literature with great songs by uh, Tim Finn, the, the rock legend. So It's a fantastic musical. I really yeah. love Ladies in Black as well. Yes, yeah, so I'm very proud to, to 
to have published that. You know, as I said, I became like, a bit like a collector of, of musicals. People collect stamps. I collected musicals. So I've got, I've got a lot of really authentic Australian musicals. I've got, I've just published The Magic Pudding, which is, which is for a cast of 13 and one puppet. So that was a uh, stage at the Marion Street Children's Theatre. Made that available across Australia for the beautifully published orchestrations. Had Snugglepot and Cuddle Pie, the musical, for many years by Peter Coombe. That's been done in uh, Newcastle in your neck of the woods. And I've got lots of junior musicals of traditional titles like, you know, Alice in Wonderland, Yo, Jack and the Beanstalk, Star Wars, a musical parody. So, uh, <laughs> uh, <all laughs> wow. <laughs> It's got pool pool noodles instead of the laser sort of swords. So I love it's all, that. <clears throat> so I've got sort of collected a, you know quite a strong portfolio of uh, musicals, and they've got a lot of resources associated with them. So they've got um, you know you've got to invest in these shows to have the resources that schools and amateur theatres expect. Yeah, sure. V- very good published orchestrations, and also you know, if it's appropriate, rehearsal assistance materials such as CD backing tracks, other tools like that. Because the, the major publishing houses, you know, in, in, in uh, New York and London, they, they do a terrific job at you know, providing, you know, good resources to go with uh, their musicals. And, of course, you've got to compete with that. And we, we'd like Australian product uh, to you know, be just as easy to perform as the best of Broadway. Absolutely. So you've sort of touched on how you got there a little bit. You've, you've got a Bachelor of Arts degree with communications. And so obviously you, you finished school as well. And, and you've touched on being a journalist and, and how being a journalist makes you a little bit more savvy. What sort of, in terms of schooling, do you think, got you inspired to be a theatre agent? So you, you talked a little bit about being in musicals. And was that in primary school or, or high school? In primary school, I was, I was uh, the mayor of Munchkin Village in The Wizard of Oz. I was, <laughs> I was Sneezy in Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And then I was Joseph. And then I did some high school musicals. And although we, we weren't huge at, at my school in, in high school musicals, but I was involved with the gang show. So that was sort of very good, which, of course, is uh, the scout movement's performing arts um, which has sort of vaudeville and sketches and big songs and dance routines. And then I took singing lessons. Um, I played the violin at school, but I then sort of gave that up and took up singing more seriously. I did a few, when I was in school, I, you know, I did, I had a few very small roles in movies, like the microscopic <laughs> special extra, um, you know. So I was in the miniseries Bodyline, so I had one line in that. Yeah. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> I was the paper boy. Latest edition, Bradman Abyss, the first test. Terrific. Um, anyway, <laughs> so that, that so that's where I yeah that's so I caught the theatre bug, but I was also interested in being a, a a journalist and and a writer. And so when I was in primary school, I set up a newspaper, the Epping West Monthly. So I was always interested in both. And of course, trying to be make a living out of being an actor is. Uh, like winning the lottery to a certain extent. You've got to be wildly talented and have some particular aspects about you which make you appeal to the market, whether it be 
looking terrific or <laughs> looking unusual, whatever, whatever it is that you do. So you need that that combination. And I very quickly realised I was a good amateur actor. <laughs> <laughs> so I kept that as a hobby. Sure. When you were in schools, were you involved in any of the creative arts programs or were there any creative arts programs within your school? Sounds like more so primary school than the high school. Yeah. We put on a couple of musicals in high school. I was in the, I was in the school band. I played the violin. I must confess that I once broke the legs, two, two legs of a music teacher. Okay, you well, need no. to tell that story. Well, what happened was, is that my father has a violin, which is, uh, was made in 1770. So it, I had to leave it in the staff room. Music teacher sadly tripped on it and broke both her legs. It was a very sad story. I, 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 she was off for six months. And then, and then I saw her when she came back and I very sheepishly apologized. So there we go. But uh, I, I should I, I shouldn't I, I shouldn't be flipping about it. It was a very nasty accident. But uh, so but I mean we had a good arts program. It might it was a public school, but we didn't certainly ha- we didn't have a school hall. We didn't have terrific uh, theatre facilities. So we weren't blessed in the, in that. And we didn't particularly have a teacher who was passionate enough to want to put on a very ambitious musical each year because it is big. You, you know. The teachers generally don't get paid for that extra work they do to put on the show. So they've got to be passionate about it. And the general trend is for schools to perhaps usually to do a musical once every two years. Um, and that's more common unless they're really gung-ho and they just uh, blitz it. But, but generally speaking, uh, traditional schools will do a musical one year and then the second year to recover. Absolutely. And I, I think sometimes we need that recovery time as well. In terms of then your connections with school, what are some things that you've seen work really well for preparing students for pursuing their talents within a, like a music theatre industry? Well, I think the thing is that teachers should explain to students that this is a really exciting industry to be involved in, but there are more jobs than just being on stage and that they really should see that it should be a whole of school experience to see how all the different departments of the school can be involved. So look, I had a musical, Reg Livermore's Ned Kelly, and I went and saw a production of it in Sydney's Western suburbs. And, and it was terrific. There were the, the woodwork department and the, and the metalwork helped build the set. Right. And then they all had little models of it. And then there was a history aspect to it and the school projects. And then, you know, then you should get the business uh, subjects in. What can you do? Do you want to, who wants to run the business side? Who wants to do the marketing? Who wants to do the social media? Right. You know, who's interested in lighting? Who, like, who loves wardrobe, making costumes? Who, who's, who's passionate about that? So I think what really needs to happen is that schools need to try to dip into every department. To have a supporting principal who is passionate about it and wants to put on a huge uh, production and involve all the different departments and getting kids interested and, you know, familiar with the theatre. So, I mean, a whole of school experience is, is, is the way to go. And, of course, picking the right show that is, uh, you know, doable. You know, do I have the cast? Do I have someone who can sing the lead of Galileo and We Will Rock You, who can do Bohemian Rhapsody at the end of a one and a half hour show. If you don't, 
don't touch it. You know, find something easier. And there's a lot, you know, what, what show can I pick that, you know, has got a, a good spread of principles? Or do I have some amazing talent this year? And so then I use the talent as the lead to then go and select the show. So there's some sort of um, ideas sort of making it a success. Obviously, your company, David Spicer Productions, looks after a lot of shows that are suitable for schools. What kind of help are you able to, to give schools in terms of getting a show up? Well, we can't put the show on. Right, we're not. We're not going to. We're not. <laughs> um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, I try to provide good rehearsal tools. So a lot of my big musicals have terrific backing track, and in some cases they can be used as the band, although not usually. But for instance, you know, some of them, some of the backing tracks are are are, are of a live band, and so that's a terrific tool. Of course, it's never as good as having an adept pianist who can, a repetiteur, who can sort of teach the part slowly and then ride with the the singers as they sort of, you know, get more competent. But it, it is an important tool. And also, look, some of the other my competitors, they, they do have excellent tools as well, which allow people to change the key of certain songs, which is... Uh, uh, a useful device essentially you know we, we we provide the foundation which is the script the music and you know if there's anything wrong with the parts we hear about it very quickly of course so finally what would your advice be to a school teacher or a bunch of school teachers in a school who are really interested in putting on musical what would you say the steps are that they need to to tick off before contacting someone like yourself and and paying the rights for a show? Because obviously paying for the rights can be expensive. What are sort of some of the steps that some of the the teachers who are listening could take? Well, I think, you know, you need to try to get a whole production team together beforehand. And so because you can't really put on a whole musical yourself. You've got to have a whole production committee. And if you can, and reach out to the the parents as well. Is there anybody out there that wants to help build the set? Is there anybody else who wants to be in charge of marketing? You know, so I think it's, it's, it's assembling as many partnerships within the school and also within the local community as possible to make it, to make it easy. I mean, you know, when I put on my first musical, I remember my grandma uh, knit, uh, sewing it. So, I mean, <laughs> so my little dwarf, sneezy dwarf costume. <laughs> my um, grandma used to make the slices. <laughs> oh, that's right. So every everyone needs to, that's right. I, I think assembling the production team, choosing a show that is suitable for the talent you've got. And, and of course, you've got to get the kids excited. They've got to, they've got to you know, they've got to, want to do it i mean of course you can't expect 15 year olds to have encyclopedic knowledge of the the broadway canon that's why i think my jukebox musicals are very good for perhaps trying to attract students who you know aren't necessarily all that into into music theater but oh yeah wouldn't mind doing a show with 80s music or 90s music or queen and so and then 
once you've got a tradition in the school of doing a musical, then you can perhaps try something more ambitious. The expense, the great expense is not in the copyright. The great expense is usually in the tech. You know, you just got to think how many radio mics do I need? How, you know, what, how much do I have to spend on professional technicians? And that's when, that's when it becomes more expensive. Uh, I mean, the copyright's usually a, a fixed fee um, and, you know, you, you pay a share of box office and, you know, the more successful the, the school is, the more you pay. But, you know, those mountainous technical costs, that's where you need to be very careful. Yeah, and I love how you have suggested trying to be collaborative, be smart about it. I really love the idea of bringing in woodwork, bringing in the sewing people, bringing in viz art to, to paint the sets and things like that. I think it, if you'd make it like a whole school project or a project across lots of different departments, obviously it's not then all of the funds coming out of the creative arts department. And also we can maybe have a, a whole school budget going towards it as well. Because obviously it's not cheap. It, it's, it's expensive to put on a show, but I mean, the, the shows can make some money as well. Well, that's what I'm, I get this, this sort of feedback from, oh, you know, we've only got a small budget for putting on a show. And I was, and I was going, well, hang on. You do sell tickets, so you actually do recoup uh, some of the cost or all of the cost. But, but as I said, I think as, as much as possible, integrating it into the school, uh, you know, fabric, uh, you know, that, and getting as many kids involved across the curriculum particularly in middle high school before you're very, you know, strictly uh, attached to HSC syllabus. But for getting middle high school really heavily involved, uh, you know, is a lot of fun. And the idea of also filling out all of those theatre jobs so we can make ourselves a little theatre agent if we need to. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, we can build build all sorts of careers. And you're right, there's more careers than just the people who are on the stage. There are lots of other people. I'm just thinking we haven't really touched on um, stage whispers at all, which you've obviously managed since 2008. Do you want to just quickly give a little bit of information about what Stage Whispers is about? Well, Stage Whispers is a national performing arts magazine. We're print and we're online. We cover the industry vertically. We cover elite professional theatre. We provide. We cover community theatre, and we also cover school theatre. So, which, whereas you know, other media tend to only be horizontal, and we have lots of resources. We have, we we put out free soft magazines. We have something called um, Spark, which is a school performing arts resource kit which comes out at the beginning of the month, uh, beginning of the year, which lists what shows are on the tour to schools, as well as resources for putting on a show, costume, sound, lighting, copyrights. That's called Spark. Um, and uh, we also have a fantastic uh, free training 
three publication, which lists every single, which lists all the performing arts courses around Australia, as well as all of the different uh, uh, in different disciplines and features and listings, and that comes out every year. Our free guide, stagewhistles.com.au/training, and we've got a new publication which is just out now called Let's Put On a Show, which is also a guide uh, to stage resources uh, in the different. Um, discipline so we've got plenty of content on our website it's a quite a monstrous website <laughs> when you think of all the content on it but it's uh you know we also of course do reviews and news but it, it's a resource for people that are theater doers and theater goers and they're often the same so it's often a common they point. are often the same i wasn't aware of the resource i think that would be a fantastic thing for teachers to be able to tap into and the putting on a show resource as well they're compilations of our print magazine we harvest we need we need you know so put it on your school budget uh, or as i said order a batch of books and we can supply them to you fantastic well, thank you so much for your time today, David. I want to finish with a final fast five questions for you. So here's the first one. What high school did you go to? Carlingford High School, Sydney's Northwest. What was your favourite subject in school and why? I think it'd have to be English. I did like English. I liked reading novels and analysing them. A favourite teacher and why? There was a maths teacher called Mr. Mary that used to make me laugh. There was my English teacher, Lynn Archer. She was, was an excellent English teacher. Okay. What is your favourite school memory? I can remember the moment my HSC finished. <laughs> that was good. And the last question, final piece of advice to our creative arts teachers. Stick at it. Uh, it's worth it. Kids will be a treasured memory of being at school of being in the school musical, it's worth the overtime that you don't get paid for. <laughs> and uh, keep, keep going. Keep up the good work. Thank you, David. Thank you for spending the time with me today to have a bit of a chat about putting on a musical in schools and obviously give us some information on how you can help with that with your David Spicer productions and some of the, the shows that you've got. I personally really love some of the shows that you, you have and I know putting on musicals is something that the students really, really love. Absolutely. And thank you for inviting me on the show. The musicals discussed throughout this episode are suggestions only and imply no endorsement by the New South Wales Department of Education of any writer, composer or publisher. Repertoire intended to be staged at school for public audience should be considered and respectful of the local community's values and beliefs. We hope you are enjoying the Creative Cast Industry Chats linking our curriculum to the industry. Next week, tune in to hear music theatre legend Michael Cormack talk about his career and how it all began with a school talent quest. The theme music for this podcast was composed by Alex Manton and audio production by Jason King.